you know, I just try to make it clear that I only work with brands that I believe in and here's why. So I'm not saying buy a Diamondback because they pay me to tell you that. I'm telling you my connection to the brand and why I ride for Diamondback. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Eric Porter is here today. We're so happy to have you with us, Eric. We've worked together for so long at Diamondbacked through the years, and it's just awesome to have you here today on the show as we enter into December of 2020. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. It's great to see you too. And boy, what a year. We're going to talk about all kinds of interesting stuff today. But before we get to that, let's have the audience hear about Eric Porter. Tell us about yourself. So I've been a professional mountain biker for, I guess, 18 years now. And that's, I've changed quite a bit through my career, what I do. I, you know, tried to make it as a racer, which didn't work out racing downhill, and then did eight years on the World Slope Style Tour. After that, I transitioned to all filming trips. And that's when I started being able to do things on all of my bikes. So not just on, you know, doing crazy tricks on a jump bike, but uh, I was able to do stuff on a gravel bike and bike packing and just big adventures and show everybody what I do through, you know, that I'm not just this into one thing. And uh, so that's been the last, I guess, 10 years of my career. And it's been awesome. So that's, that's what I do. That's awesome. And you have two little kids that came along during that last 10 years, and I'm sure that has changed you as well. And um, I know that you enjoy all kinds of outdoor sports, not just cycling. So your family's pretty outdoorsy, right? Yeah. So yeah, my wife, Megan is here. And then we have two kids, Milo and Owen. They're two boys. They're eight and 11 now. And uh, we just, they kind of get into everything. So we're skiing (laughs) and snowboarding all winter and mountain biking and fly fishing and trail running and stuff all summer camping. So just making the most of, you know, we live in the Park City, Utah area and try to do all the the best things we can here. That's awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you to share with the audience here today, Eric, because you have been, you've lived through a lot as a pro athlete on the cycling side. And here we are in December of you know, the year where the pandemic hit. Okay. And I was curious if you could share, we're going to talk about a number of different topics, but let's first start out with kind of at, at this time last year. So December of 2019, tell us where you thought you were going to be right now and then what you had to pivot on. And I know this is a big, big question. So maybe we can take it in kind of bite-sized pieces. We'll talk about kind of your athlete role and then what you had to do to really pivot with the type of content that people were looking for and the channel you were presenting on. Yeah. So in December of every year, I'm usually getting all my 
contracts and everything set up for the next year and planning the whole next year. So this time last year, I was pitching trips all around the world. We had a trip to Africa to follow a zebra uh, migration uh, awesome. <laughs> on bikes. And that was going to be a really cool trip. And <clears throat> just a bunch of really cool aspirational trips around the world, as well as cool stuff close to home. And I've been having fun doing a project or two with the family as well every year. Mm-hmm. And so all of that basically went out the window as the year developed. All the and I was, you know, planning on I'm usually at five or six events through the year too, so mountain bike festivals and sea otter and crankworks. And all that stuff went out the door. And we're all stuck at home as of March. So basically pivoting into the second part of the question, what I ended up doing was you know, my job as an athlete is to connect with consumers. And there's a, a number of ways to do that. Traditionally, it's been through magazines and then through web videos, as well as, you know, maybe full length DVDs, but that's kind of over now as well. And so I'd been watching the YouTube space for a while and dabbled with it last year, made a number of videos, but didn't go all in. And this spring, when we we're locked down, I basically went in all in on my YouTube channel. And so I started producing videos from the backyard, stuff from trips that I'd done, you know, earlier in the year or the year prior, as well as, you know, trail building things around here and showing advocacy, basically just making YouTube videos about what I cared about. And that's basically ate up the rest of my year because YouTube is the most time consuming and hardest work I've really done. So it's, that's been the rest of the year up till now. So let's talk about that. And we're going to get into some other um, aspects of the, you know, what does it look like to be a pro cyclist today? Okay, because we haven't even gotten to touch the bike boom and, and your thoughts on that. But let's since we're on the subject of YouTube, and this is channel mastery, I think it's a really good time for us to dive into that. Because I know firsthand, it is super hard to build a following on YouTube, but it's so important because it's search engine. It's owned by Google and there's so much value there for your brands that sponsor you um, in terms of like your visibility, their recognition, their, you know, backlinking strategy, SEO, et cetera. So let's talk about like how you, how did you tackle that YouTube channel where you're just kind of looking at it like, okay, it's time. (laughs) I thought about it way too much for a few years instead of just diving in like I probably should have, you know, three years ago when, well, so Seth from Seth's Bike Hacks, which is now called Burn Peak, um, he's my teammate on Diamondback. And when he was brought onto the team, it really got me thinking because everyone on the team up to that point had ended up on the team through traditional channels of competition and filming bike video parts and kind of being the best in the sport. And so I had to, I started, I just wanted to figure out what was going on and who he is and what value he was bringing. And I realized um, really quickly that him coming in as kind of like an everyday rider with this audience that he built through YouTube and the connection that everybody has with him is that they can relate to him. Whereas they can't relate to someone doing a double backflip on a bike, but they can relate to someone who's learning the same stuff they are learning how to bunny hop better, learning how to corner better, learning, trying to figure out how to work on their bike instead of taking it to the shop. And that's what Seth did a really amazing job with. And now he's, you know, when Diamondback signed him, he had like 30,000 subscribers. He's well over 2 million now. And so they made a, you know, great call there bringing him on board. And so what that got me thinking was, how can I connect to my audience and 
come across in a way that really is me and that isn't trying to jump on a trend and trying to make it on YouTube, but really just putting across my thoughts. And so that was, you know, I had to figure out how I wanted to come across in the videos and how I could sound like me and talk to the camera. And there's a lot of YouTube channels out there that I don't feel like do a good job with that. You know, Seth does a really good job of he's the same person on camera as he is off camera. And that was really Mm -hmm. important to me. Because I see a lot of people on YouTube that you know, they're really hyped up and they're all this stuff. And then off camera, they're a different person. And I don't know, I, I can see that. And I think the consumer can see that too. I uh, agree. So I really wanted to come across in a, as me. And so yeah. I, you know, I'll send it, I'll make a video and I'll send it to my closest friends and be like, all right, tear this thing apart. Tell me what I, <laughs> is this me? Do you feel like you're hanging out with me while we're building this jump or whatever? And what a great sure idea. That, yeah. I just want to make sure that it's that it is me and it's not some character that I'm creating to have people like me on YouTube or whatever cuz that's the only way it's actually going to be sustainable and actually grow is if they actually get to know you as the person. And so you should everybody I'll put the link to it in the show notes to your channel but it's Porter MTB. Congratulations on hitting 100,000 subscribers. That is a huge lift. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was you know that was my goal for the end of this year, which I knew was a really lofty goal. It is a lofty goal. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really impressed. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, it's been a lot of sleepless nights staying up editing all night. And, um, you know, the stuff I've I've learned from that is put the time in and make a quality video. You know, vlogs work great for some people where they're putting it out every day and just talking to the camera. I'm trying to put out high quality videos that stand the test of time too. So when you watch a video from a year ago, it's just as relevant as it is now. So it's, you know, again, it's been hard, but it's showing in the growth. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's exponential too, because the more you get, the more shares you get, and it just keeps on kind of growing upwards and outwards. It does. And it, I mean, that is a phenomenal amount of growth and congratulations. I know that's been a lot of work, but I love some of the titles you have, Kids, Bikes, and Chainsaws. I mean, how could you not click on that? And then um, you have Rock Jump, but you have a really big piece of heavy machinery in there. Did you rent that? Is that kind of what goes in or did you actually invest in that little guy? No. So that was a really cool project. So that was at Woodward Park City. And oh, uh, cool. Woodward is like the you know global action sports training center. Um, uh-huh. And so I used to, there used to be only one of them in Pennsylvania. Now there's a few of them around the world. And yeah, dream coming true with it going into Park City. Yeah. And so they were building a new trail and I got to be a part of that project and document a section of that trail getting built with a couple of my heroes too. Nate Wessel, who's a pro BMXer legend and Jeremy Jones from snowboarding. You know, so that was just, you know a dream come true to be able to even make that video. I got to tell you, that was a lot of pressure actually too, because all of a sudden I'm filming my heroes that I grew up watching in videos and I'm on the hook to, you know, I don't want to let them down with, uh, (laughs) with the video, but yeah, so that was a Woodward had all the machines. And I mean, we had, there's, there's one time lapse in there where I think there's three or either three or four machines working at the same time on the stuff. And so that was, you know, a whole new level of stress as well. I'm, I'm an, I'm a writer. I'm not a filmmaker per mm-hmm. se. I mean, I technically am now, but I've really had to learn how to do that. And, you know, so 
while helping build that and come up with what we were going to do, I was also setting up the cameras and those time lapses and the talking of telling the story on site while we were doing it. So that's awesome. So tell me about the whole, um, you've seen the bike boom, you went through, obviously, like launching this channel, you probably got some interesting comments from new fans and followers that are turned on to the Diamondback brand through COVID. Because as we were talking, as we were rehearsing, like it is such an approachable brand. People love it. And you're actually a huge part of that. Like you really humanize it and you're just so approachable. And it feels like you can be you know, exactly where you are as a cyclist and join up with that brand, which is one of the reasons that I love with it, love the brand, but their product is amazing, right? It's a really special brand that way. So let's talk about number one, like you've been in the, you know, bike community forever, right? And now what do you think about this boom that's happening? I mean, I, I'm just flabbergasted by what we're seeing. (laughs) It's, It's awesome. Um, We've seen more people on bikes than ever before. And all the bike companies are selling out. Bike shops are selling out. So we're getting a lot of new people in the sport, which is amazing. And, you know, it could be a boom. I'm sure it'll be some sort of up and down there. It can't sustain that much growth for a number of years, you know. But I do feel like a large majority of the people that are getting bikes and getting into mountain biking now they're not going to leave. It's one of those things that once you discover it, I think you're in. It's really fun. And the more you do it, the more fun it gets. And you you don't have to have a team. You don't have to have, you know, you can just go out and ride and have a good time. So I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of people stick around for longer. and, And so I think part of that with my channel is that I can speak directly to a lot of those new consumers. Yes, and you can. pass on some of the ethics of mountain biking and tell them that trail advocacy matters because they're new. So you really only know it's like a kid telling them that they should um, be thankful for what they have because, but at the same time, that's all they know. So that's yep. their reality. And so these people that are new to mountain biking, it's an awesome time to start mountain biking. There's trails everywhere, pump tracks and bike parks, and there's more trails than there's ever been. And when I started riding, there weren't. And so we've grown up to this point. And so it's important to pass that on generationally to the new riders that, hey, here's how you act on a trail. Here's how you treat other trail users. And here's how you can help create more trails and sustain the ones we have. And then I think Diamondback plays into that really well too as a sponsor because like you said, they have the full line of bikes. So you can get your a push bike, your first bike, whatever, like a kid's bike, and you can also get a high-end mountain bike. And even the high-end mountain bikes, it's not like... Um, so a few years ago at Diamondback, when we were having product meetings, I actually love playing a role on the product side as well um, to tell... you know, We have meetings every year about where the brand should go as far as what bikes we're making. And you know, years ago, we started seeing the first $10,000, $12,000 bikes. And you can either play that game and fight the price thing and try and have the most expensive bike out there or you can make a really good bike that's affordable and that's the route that we went so mm-hmm. you know our most expensive bikes our highest end bikes are in the five thousand dollar range and so that's a lot of money for someone getting into it but if you're in the bike world five thousand dollars for is pretty you know affordable for a top level bike it sure um, is yeah so you know that was important too 
and I really like that, you know, there's the top tier bikes that are really fun. And then the entry level bike in the same line. So release one is going to ride really similar. It's the same frame as the five, basically. It's got more affordable parts on it, but the product managers go about designing that and specking that bike with the theory that this is all the money you have. How can we put together this bike for this price point that's not going to need to be updated after you buy it? Right. And basically making it more attainable for you know whatever budget you're coming in at. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, people who might be a little bit older who still remember having a Diamondback when they were little. Yeah. And that's, I mean, my first brand new top level mountain bike was a Diamondback team issue in 1997. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I, mine was not a team issue, of course, but um, yeah, my first real mountain bike was also a Diamondback when I was living that's... in Newberry Park back when the brand was there. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. It was, um, you know, when I was 15, I got my first job at a bike shop and they were a Diamondback dealer. So I was selling Diamondbacks. And then, you know, when I was racing cross country, I, Cadell Evans was racing the Olympics and was on that bike. And so that's, that's the bike that I got. And that's amazing. Yeah. So it was really cool to reconnect with them and, you know, end up on that team, which is still mind blowing to me. It is. And my older brothers and my little brother, I was the only girl. So I, I wasn't, able to get a BMX bike for some reason. And of course, that's the first thing I did for my daughter when she got old enough was buy her one. But my brothers all had Diamondback BMX bikes when we were really, really little. They were like literally that in Redline, like the best brand you could get in the Southern California BMX scene. And like, I just always loved the brand. And then as soon as I could buy a bike, I chose a Diamondback bike because I never got to have one when I was little. <laughs> yep, that's awesome. No, I I found that, you know, it's been 10 years that I've been on Diamondback and every trip I go on, almost every time I hear a story from somebody that I meet in a new town or wherever on the trail about their first Diamondback, everybody's yeah. got a story about it. Um, so yeah, a lot of people have a really personal long time connection to this brand. Yep. Yeah, and it makes sense to come back around to that when, you know, we have what happened happened this year, a pandemic. Bizarre, but true. Um, so let's talk a little bit about influencer marketing as we're going into 2021. So you're obviously, um, now you're armed with this amazing YouTube channel that has really fast growth. And, you know, I don't, we don't have to get into the details of what you're pitching because we, I know like, just like my business, we don't know what kind of travel we can plan. We don't know the event scene. I mean, we have lots of event companies and we're just sort of like, okay, let's see what happens with this. Right. Um, what's your sense on like the role of you as an influencer for Diamondback and your other brands going into 2021? Because it feels like that humanization and the, the, um, the fact that we've become so accustomed to Zoom conference calls and seeing video and seeing like the real deal around people, not scripted, not highly produced. Like what's your sense inside that's saying this is the direction I should go as an athlete in 2021? Yeah, I think, like you said, we don't, I have no idea where I'll be able to go or what I'll be able to do. But I do know that my job is to connect with consumers that are potentially looking to buy stuff from the brands when you, you know, really brew it down to why I'm being paid. It's, uh, you know, marketing to consumers, telling people that are thinking about buying bikes, what Diamondback has and why they should consider that as an option. And I also try with my content on the channel, I try not to, I don't know, over commercialize it. Um, because I think 
I think that pushes people away. And I would rather spend my time creating a connection with the people that are fans of what I'm doing, as mm-hmm. well as fans of the brand. And then they will see what I'm riding and get a better feel for it that way. So, you know, I might do a bike check video, but I'm also going to go riding with my kids or I might do a, you know, video about we're going to ride a bike park or go to ride this new trail. But before we do that, let's fix Owen's bike, my eight-year-old, and I'll teach him how to adjust his derailleur and that sort of thing. So I try to be entertaining and educational with my videos, as well as kind of, like I said earlier, lead people in the right direction as far as you know, giving them an idea of how you should act on a trail, how you should treat other users and kind of passing down that information. So they're still getting, they're still finding out about the products. I'm still talking about the new bikes when they come out, doing a bike check and what this bike's for and, you know, what's in, what do you bring on a big ride? Stuff like that. Um, right. But I try to do it in a really kind of fun, entertaining way and not just do it as a, I basically put more into it than just a straight up, I'm doing this video because I'm paid to and sponsored. But um, you've never done anything like that. Yeah, I try. That's not who you are. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I would have a hard time doing something like that. So, and I'm always afraid of even, so with the FCC guidelines now, you have to disclose more blatantly, you know, who you're getting support from and that sort of thing, which I think is really good also. But I also think, you know, I just try to make it clear that I only work with brands that I believe in. And here's why. So I'm not saying buy a Diamondback because they pay me to tell you that. I'm telling you my connection to the brand and why I ride for Diamondback. So I think there's a clear distinction there to where it's not just I'm, you know, selling product because I'm paid to, but it's here's why I picked this bike. Here's why. I mean, I can even say I helped design, not design, but you know what I mean? I helped, I was a part of this product from a drawing on a table to this bike that we're selling now. And I helped test it and everything else. And here's why I like it. And right. it means more. So Eric, I wanted to ask one thing before we wrap up here today. And that is you've always had a social impact or a cause component to your brand as a pro athlete and an influencer. How have you seen that positively impact your brands um, going into COVID and how has it changed through COVID? I think the biggest thing I've always tried to do is, again, pass on the information of how to be a good mountain biker, not as a talented rider, but a good steward of the sport. Pass that on to consumers, new consumers, riders on the trail, that sort of thing. And the last two years, I've been president of Wasatch Trails Foundation, which is my local trail advocacy group. And so that's where I really put a lot of time in. The majority of it kind of out of the public spotlight and uh, off camera, but doing trail advocacy work for my local community here. So kind of rallying the community around new grants, new trails, things like that. And we've worked really hard this year, um, since we can't have in-person events and fundraisers like normal, we've been working hard towards kind of the future of the group and making it sustainable moving forward. So uh, working towards hiring an executive director and the fundraising needed for that to really build the foundation for that to be sustainable in the future. So, you know, I talk about it a little bit in my videos and kind of try to pass on things that people can do in their own local communities to help out with their local trails. Because with, you know, this many new users, we have this many new people that one, don't know how to 
interact with other trail users. And also there's just more pressure on the trails. So the popular trails are more popular. Those of us that, you know, know about the further trails, we're going more remote, but so is everybody else. So we really do need to, as uh, a mountain bike community, continue to build more trails, make more directional trails. So there's not, you know, head on conflict, things like that. You know, that's how I've been trying to have an impact. I have a feeling that the world needs more of that message from you next year. I mean, what I've seen this fall, like riding in Fruta and going, I tried to go to Moab, but literally like if I didn't have like a friend's driveway to camp in, I wouldn't have been able to find a place, um, you know, to, yeah. to camp. So I, I think that that part of your brand, I am imagining will be more and more important, especially knowing that you are serving your local community as a, you know, on a trails advocacy group. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I definitely don't have time for it. Um, but I make time for it because I know how important it is. And I, I know the skill set that I have that I can share with this. And, you know, it's a, a short amount of time that, you know, over the grand scheme of things, when you're actually on the board of something before you pass it on to the next guy. And yeah, just making that time to have a lasting impact has been pretty awesome. And, you know, again, helping encourage people to say, you know, maybe you don't have time to do that, but, you know, donate to your local trails or even stop for five minutes and kick some rocks off the trail if if that makes a difference. You know, everybody, everybody does a little bit. We can do a lot. Yeah, for sure. So the last question I have for you, and you've been so gracious with your time. Thanks. Tell me how stoked your kids are that you've been home this year and they've been able to star in the making of this YouTube channel and all these great videos. They, I mean, you had... They they must have been so stoked on you being their dad before, but now it must be like over the top with YouTube, right? Yeah, they um, they're having a good time for sure. <laughs> you know, building Milo's jump line that was something we had talked about for about a year that we should build a line that's his size. And up until this year, I've been on the road, you know, 120 days a year, so that that's a lot. So they love having me home every night and. You know, a lot of those nights I'm staying up late, uh, going into the office and editing or whatever it is to make the video happen. So they've seen how hard I work as well. But yeah, they've been having so much fun. And everybody that has kids understands that YouTube is where kids go to uh, consume content. So they're, you know, they're not watch kids aren't watching TV anymore. They're watching what they want to watch on YouTube. And yeah, kind of getting to drive that and do what they want to do, be a part of what I'm doing. And I actually try to keep them a little bit separated from how big of a deal it is. Um, uh-huh. I, they're not on Instagram. Even they get asked all the time, and I just I want to make sure that they're able to be kids. Yeah, and this is my job, not their job. So, you know, because there's there's a fine line there. There's some channels with you know young kids on them where they're getting filmed every day, and um, so I've been really conscious of not overdoing it as well and letting them live their life and. Hey, do you want to be in the video this week? We can do this. And if they say no, then I do something else. Yeah, they're having a good time. And, you know, we actually got, we just got back from uh, the month of October. We did a big road trip all the way out from Utah to North Carolina. We hit Bentonville, we hit Louisville, and we hit, we stayed at Seth's house for a week. Um, So they got to ride some of the best spots in the world and um, hang out with some, some of their heroes and meet some of the other YouTuber guys that, that they looked up to and watch on the trip. So yeah, it's been, it's cool. Long answer, but yeah, they're loving it. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate all that you do 
for cycling, for Diamondback, and just it's been great to watch the trajectory of your career. So I can't wait to see what you pull out of the hat for next year. And thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advance notice of new Channel Mastery trainings and offerings. Thanks for listening and see you next week.